what is going on guys welcome back to another episode of real fans fc episode 13 me and adam back at it again going to be talking a wide variety of things the european season has officially ended we're in the middle of mls season and also international break just passed so we're going to cover every little bit of that and more so after taking a week hiatus we are now back and we're going to start it off hit us with our first topic adam so our first topic right now the golden boot leader in the mls is none other than hani mukhtar could he get back-to-back mvps or do you think that the shake-up right now with you know all these players coming up uh coming into uh you know especially in miami and i'm sure other teams you know he leads with 13 goals and uh, he also has seven assists right now. Is he going to get that back-to-back MVP, or uh, or is someone else on your on your mind? To me, it's Hani's it's Hani's to lose. He has been playing. He, he, to me, he's the best player in the league. Yeah, and he's probably going to. He he's been so far this year, and obviously was last year getting named the MVP. The guy's been honestly unstoppable, and it's great. Crazy to think I saw a stat and they're talking about it. This time last year, he only had seven goals. Okay, this so time that's, last that's year, and he, won, double. And, and he won Golden Boot last year with 23. So right now, he's on pace to get in the high 20s, close to 30s. I don't think he's going to like approach any records or nothing this season unless he really turns it up. Um but the most impressive thing about this and this this Nashville team in general, um, this is a Nashville team who doesn't have a true striker. This is Hani, who is traditionally a number 10 player and has been kind of having to play this 10-9 hybrid to kind of supplement the fact that a I, lot I of their agree. I mean, striker look, signings have been falling. Look at, his, look at his assists. I mean, he's he's gotten 13 goals, 7 assists. He's doing it all for them. Um, when, when I watch him play, I haven't seen a ton of Nashville this season, admittedly, but when I have watched them play, it is clear that he is their driving force. I mean, it is very obvious. Um, I'm sure you'll have like now with the messy fanboys, not saying, you know, there's any issue with that, but I'm sure they'll come in and be like, oh yeah watch Messi's going to come in and score 30 goals or whatever or, and assist like 15 or so. I don't know. There's people out there who think that like the league shakeup that, you know, it's, it's not going to happen, but I agree. I think it's Hany Mukhtar's to lose. Um, I'm sure you'll have dissenters because of what's going on with MLS, but uh, I, he's, you know, I, 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 it helps that they don't have a striker because he is the kind of player that can play that role. Uh, I don't know if that's the way you want to play it in the long term when you're naturally a 10. Um, but he's got the talent to do it, and it is working for them now. And if it continues to, you know, continues down this path, then yes, back-to-back MVPs, 100%. Yeah, I mean, this guy's footwork is insane. I've yeah. I've seen it. I watched the most recent game um, against St. Lu- not the most recent game, but I watched the game against St. Louis where he got his hat trick. And it kind of a lot of that's when a lot of the buzz started spurring up about Henny going back to back. And dude, he's just the best player on the field. And 
Nashville, even though they're solid defensively and Joe Willis is having one hell of a year for a goalkeeper, he has just been amazing for them. He, he is their entire offense, and he's a big part of why they're scoring as much as they actually are. <clears throat> and it's like I said, it's impressive to see he's doing this without a true striker in front of him. And all accounts looks like Nashville is going to get that true number nine in front of him or next to him. However, they decide to play right now. They're kind of running a two striker system with Leal behind them. So I would still, the thing is, even though, yes, he's a natural 10, he's proven that he is a natural goal scorer. So I would still like to see him maybe even run like that false nine and maybe do like a two striker setup and then just have your one guy directly in front of him. Because even though I know he probably wants to drop back more, the guy has shown a clear talent to score goals. So it's like, yes, why not keep him up there? And maybe Nashville fans might know better, but like I, if I was Nashville, I'd keep him up there in a two track, two striker system, have him run that hybrid role that he's already doing and run that false nine and just feed the player in front of him and just get the assist. Cause uh, yeah, I mean, I think his goals are probably going to drop off if they end up getting that nine, because naturally you're just going to have somebody else occupying that space, especially if they get a DP nine, which it looks like they are or at least trying to, I mean, the rumors coming out with uh, Leo Capana going over there potentially. uh, And that, that would have been one hell of a partnership, but it seems like, that's kind of fallen through and Miami's wanting to stick with him. But I mean, the dude, the dude is insane. Uh, <laughs> I've been seeing people call him up. They should call him up for the German national team. Cause they're really struggling right now, especially in that they are. position. They are especially in that position. Um, I'm like, I've been the book. Look for a friendly, give him a shot. Let's just see. Like I get, he didn't perform super well in the Bund- Bundesliga. And then he went to Bundesliga two and like dominated. And now since he's came here, he's been playing really well. I mean, sometimes players just develop later. Why yep. not like give him a little flyer on a friendly, see how he does. I mean, like you said, Germany's struggling right now. I think Germany's hasn't won a game in five games or something like that. So I don't know if that actually happened. I think it's doubtful, but I would like to see just maybe like a friendly just to see like him mesh and, and uh, go. But yeah, man. I mean, outside of, I mean, who who do you think could catch up to him? I mean, a lot of it, we had a lot of Bowanga in the beginning, but it seems like since the CCL final debacle and LAFC's been kind of on a downturn, Bowanga's kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, you still have Omada there getting assists left and right, uh, but it seems like he he doesn't have the same scoring prowess that Mukhtar does. Obviously, Almada's still a lot younger. So to me, it's like he's the clear favorite. Um, and yeah, it's his he's the clear favorite. Think, I'd say the only other two you that you can space? make a case for. Yeah, but the only other two you can make a case for, I agree. Uh, Almada, if he just absolutely starts, I think he's going to need more assists. I mean, Mukhtar with just the goals alone, I think would be uh, would outweigh the assists, but yeah, I guess if you're thinking around the, those lines, I would agree with what you said with LAFC. You got Almada and maybe even Heal um, for New England if they continue to perform well. Because yeah. uh, they've been the really good. He's definitely behind behind their success as well. Stats may not be as high, but they're more of um, you know, they have they have they have more options. 
not like Mukhtar. It, like Mukhtar's doing, like you said, and like we said a couple minutes ago, he's playing two roles. Um, whereas someone like Almada or Hill or even like just another striker is playing their role by themselves. So I think Mukhtar has an advantage by having to fill two roles, being you know high on assists and high on goals. Um, he has the talent to do it, so I think he's a clear favorite. Yeah, I think he, I think that that just benefits him more too, because like you can look at Almada, but he's had honestly the newcomer of the year probably, uh, Geomakis from Greek, the the Greek. Uh, I don't yeah. know, he's from Greece. He's playing really well in Atlanta. He's one of the top scorers in the league right now. Um, so having him in front of him has has really helped in getting that service. But seeing Mutar having to play two roles, I mean that that even gives him more of an edge almost and yeah, i he, think once he can do and, it and, that's why so like yeah and yeah. getting double teamed and and getting box to box like you know what i mean he he's playing yeah. it all so if you're and, talking and, goals and, and assists it, yeah. it is um it, mukhtar leads with 19 almada with 15 total goals and assists so it's definitely still tight but mukhtar's just the the talent i mean even when he doesn't get those um you know yeah. Stats. Amada, Amada has 42 key passes. Mukhtar has 32 key passes. But like we said, we've kind of shown that Mukhtar yeah, is playing Mukhtar, a little Mukhtar bit. Mukhtar has the highest role. expected goals. I mean, he's someone who, who can create those chances for himself as well. Uh, well, he's you know well clear on expected goals. He's well clear on uh, expected goals on target. Um, and dude, get 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 him somebody up in front of him. That's going to even take the pressure off him even more. It's going to open up and give him even more space. Dude, it's going to be it's going to be over. Like it, yeah, Nashville yeah. could Nashville could realistically catch up to that supporter shield race, or at least be in that conversation to even qualify for Champions League just based off regular season, because. I mean, the team's already playing super well. I think the defensively, they've been playing very well, especially with Walker Zimmerman being out. And um, gosh, can't remember his first name, but that mayor guy has really stepped in behind Zimmerman super well. Um, yeah. I do want to pull up the standings really quick and see where they they stand in supporter shield. So yeah, they are second in the supporter shield right now, thirty five yep. points. And uh, so. Cincinnati, and they're they're. With Cincinnati, with goal differential as well, 14 goal differential, joint top of uh, both conferences. Uh, so that's that's also a pretty good stat to have. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, give him give him some more space, and it could it could be. Oh dangerous. yeah, for sure. We'll 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 be talking about him more definitely towards the end of the season when uh, uh, talks start really ramping up on um, MVP of the league. Yeah. Um, golden boot race i think is gonna yeah. be pretty tight and the golden boot, I think, boot race as well we'll be talking about that more um it's gonna be tight it's gonna be fun uh, i'm also curious to see how uh, the assists end up at the end of the season especially with all the new people coming in um but speaking with new people we did cover this a couple weeks ago it was the story of the sporting world but there are some updates and i just want to cover some of the headlines uh since we last recorded an episode um 
so five, about five and to six signing. This is from the owner. Uh, this, I believe it was from Jose Moss himself. Jorge Moss. Or was it Jorge? Okay. Jorge. Jorge. I think Jose doesn't really speak. Yeah. Like... So Jorge um, spoke with the um, Miami Herald and five to six signings are, are expected. We know that Messi and Busquets are all but confirmed. Alba is most likely going to be the other one, although that one isn't as solid uh, as Busquets. Um, so definitely want to talk about who's who else we're going to sign. But before we talk about that, I do want to mention that um, they're also announcing that they will be remaining at Drive Pink Stadium. They will not be going to the Hard Rock. And to help, they will be filling in the empty corners, which would add about 3,000 seats. Um, and then there's another another topic to talk about before we move on, but I'll, I'll bring that up in a minute. So I'll, I'll pass this over to you because for me, I, I really, I'm stumped. Like I don't really have any other um, options because it doesn't, I don't know where the money is going. I don't know what's going to be left. So if they're saying five to six signings expected, and let's just assume Alba is going to be the third. So we got Messi, Busquets, Alba coming to Miami. Who are the other one or two players that you want to sign? Man, I I hate that. I know I know you to ask this, but I hate the Busquets. I cannot stay. I've been I've been so anti Busquets. Me too. For literally a year. I, as somebody who is a Barcelona fan or watches Barcelona play. The guy cannot keep up, even in La Liga. And La Liga is not even a, so much of an athletic league as MLS. MLS, yes, La Liga is way more technical, way more skillful. It is a higher-level league without a shadow of a doubt. But when it comes to the physicality and the athleticism that's in MLS, it's just much higher. And we've heard it from even someone like Ricky Pooch, who came from Barcelona, played in La Liga, and, and went up that those, those academy ranks. He's run, he said that he runs like a couple kilometers more per game. And yeah, you're yeah. you're in a league in MLS that is a very transition heavy league. Everybody's playing right that's, off the transition. That's why I, I never I never so just wanted asked, Busquets. I never just wanted Busquets before you finish that thought. I hate to interrupt, but I always said that Busquets, I would only take him on the team if you bring him in with other with these people who can he can actually just kind of do something and not have to be the guy that has to run around. So yes, I'm anti Busquets. I think he's old. I don't think he's going to be, he, he doesn't nearly have the physicality to, to handle this, um, this league and where it's going right now. Um, but I'm not going to cry about it because I think that as long as the, the signings are right and the structure around it's right, then he can actually just kind of play an anchor almost like a, um, a fifth center back who could just who lays the ball off to um you know or not a fifth center back but you know if, if the center defensive you know just kind of playing right in front of those two center backs as like the anchor um that's where i'd, I'd kind of expect it but yeah. like i, I mean, said I, guess, I don't like Busquets, i just look at all these other guys that came in to at get, that position they need to get people who can run for him dude look at i i don't even because look at the guys at that position perlo when he came to New York City, the dude cannot keep up at all. Um, who else? Uh, Matuidi couldn't oh, keep up at all. Um, oh man, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, blank. Um, I mean, Lampard. 
Like, I mean, I don't know if he came, but <laughs> no, he definitely but, uh, came. But like, regardless, it's like we've seen in MLS, these guys come in. It's just that position requires you to be like this destroyer who can go up and down. So, but uh, we'll, we'll move on from that. But like, as for the Alba thing, I'm a little bit more in the Alba train. He's still, he's better. He still has a little bit left. He's playing at a high level. He just yeah, won I the nation's league with Spain over there over the past week. Um, he played decent in in Barcelona this past season, albeit he had injuries. World Cup, he's all right. He, he's, he's been all right at the highest level. So I think here he's going to play pretty well. And I think having with mess, having Messi here, we're not going to require our fullbacks to be so far forward like we've been seeing recently in this past season with Franco Negri running so far yeah, up the pitch. Yeah. Um, and it does kind of suck because I feel like we're wasting so much money in a position we already kind of have. Um, even though I don't think Franco Negri is the best left back, I'm actually kind of curious to see how well he actually is. Yeah, I don't think ne- I've never thought Negri was the best either, especially can't comparing him to Alba. But I actually thought that was where he gave us the most attacking. And I was like, yes, I know we have defensive problems, but I mean, he was someone who always gave full effort. He was always looking to push the envelope, take well, on defenders, the was... get the ball in the box. So, so yes, he was very attacking and that left us vulnerable, but I mean, we needed attacking players like that. You know, well, that's what I was going to say. That's why I'm wondering like how much of that was actually him and his play style, or if that's what Phil was asking for him. Cause Phil was asking the same thing from Yedlin last year and even a little bit this year. Like yeah, that's probably a little both. I think Negri, so I the way the way Negri's playing and the way you can see the way he goes forward is natural for runs. him. It's yeah. natural for him. He does like to. He's an attack. He he likes to push the envelope and play attacking. But I think it was definitely a little bit of both because of what you said. Him telling Yedlin to do that um, in pri- in the prior season and a little bit this season. So I think it's definitely a little bit of both. Um, but hey, Phil's not around anymore, so yeah. didn't that that's not going to be the thing. So five and six, I think they're going to work their magic and get Alba on a TAM deal. I think they're yeah, going to get I'm that hearing done. Busquets, I thought yeah, I, I, Busquets, I, DP is going to be a DP, which is a shame. DP, yeah, which is, yeah, it is a shame. Didn't want, I didn't even want Busquets in the first place, but I would have been okay yeah, if he was, I was a TAM, hoping, but now yeah, he's going to be a DP. That makes it even worse. But I think they're going to work their magic, try to get him on a TAM. I think I think you have to because from what I'm hearing, Pizarro is definitely gone. You can buy down Gregory, but the whole – you can buy down Campana, but I guess that whole system and the mechanisms around MLS, it's a little bit more difficult, I guess, than what people are – than it is to just pay him. I guess there's something to it. I don't – you know, these rules in MLS are – crazy and weird and hopefully we see a change in the off season with the new with Messi coming which i think we will um and that could be a debate for another top for another day but um as for the other two players they're definitely going to be midfielders um for sure i think you're going to get another defensive midfielder i think the goal is you want to get what about a winger is there a winger that I don't stands think so. out? Because I think we need. I think we could use I don't, someone. I don't think we're going to play through the wing. I just don't see that we're. Well, I don't. I don't necessarily need. We need to play through the wing. I mean, like an example in my and I in um, football manager. I don't. 
play with wingers, even though I have wingers, I play them either as an inverted winger or as an inside forward, which is what I like. And I've been talking to one of my friends who has coaching badges and coaches for academies. And I say, you know, one of my things that I hated about Inter Miami and about Phil Ball is that he would play too much through the wings to the point where Without uh, wingers, you, actually, are you, which are is you the familiar, weird thing. Are you familiar with the you term half the, the half space? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I would just get absolutely furious because what I would notice is that our ha- like absolutely nobody is attacking the half space, and in my opinion you know, tactically and how I was brought, I I think the half spaces are the most dangerous spots. You know, once you get into the half space, then your defense, then the defenders start feeling the pressure. That's the beginning of, 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 okay, who, who you got to make decisions about marking. Okay. You need to push up because people, you got skill can just shoot from there. You've seen it time and time again. We've seen that. We've never played the half spaces. Well, and, and I think I hated it. I just hated it. I think one player that does do it, and I think you agree with me when I say it, and they've kind of done it a little, and I think he succeeded the most, especially on the right side, is Robert Taylor. He's Robert the only Taylor one. does. He's the he does. Only he one. occupates. Absolutely, he, he doesn't. He doesn't go super wide because usually Yedlin can't receive him, the ball. Like if they're putting Yedlin's the, behind the ball. him, and yes. He, and when he's no, had totally his agree. beautiful skill skill moves, and I noticed when Phil was playing, we would do a four four two with the diamond. With the and if he played the edge of the diamond, the right side of the diamond, he kind of played this flex like central midfield to like wing because you, you know what I'm saying. So like the diamond, so the two edges of the diamond kind of went out like that. And like when we had Pizarro on one side and Robert Taylor on that side, when we we're running the diamond, they would kind of do like a diagonal. They wouldn't stay in a straight diamond almost. And so Robert Taylor kind of had that flexibility to play that half yeah. space while Yedlin came in. And when so he would I play just, the I half don't think we're playing and, and use his skill, it would create some brilliant goals either for him or someone else. You know, like they were some plenty of goals that I can remember that are just like, that's what I want to see. So I, I, I think that'll come with the, the personnel change, with the coaching change that's expected. Um, I do agree. It's They're definitely going for midfielders. Potentially, um, I guess. I think the big thing is if Tata Martino's the coach, which it sounds like he is. Tata likes to run a four-two-three-one. I guess my problem is is I think I know, man. I think they're going to run one striker. I guess my only my only thing is we I'm have okay so many that. strikers. It depends on we the have fluidity. so many strikers. If it's, if it's a fluid it's... four two three one, I think it's okay because you know for Tata you would you would have Busquets as your anchor. You'd have whoever's next to him as the box Probably to box. If he's healthy or a new guy. Yeah, uh, box to box, more of a yeah box to box. I think is necessary. Like an eight, um, like a true eight. And I don't mind I having the one side. And be. I don't have mind having the one striker because let's say if you have Messi as the ten, I think he's fluid enough to fill those spaces. Um, and the formation will be fluid enough so that it won't seem, um, let's put it like this, having you know the one striker formations of Phil Neville. It won't feel like that at all, I don't think. I guess for me, it's tough to see those other two players because I think once one has to be an eight. You have to get another eight. I think Busquets and Arroyo, as of right now, are your one and two sixes. 
because Busquets is not going to run a full 90. Let's be real, especially in this heat. He's not running a full 90. Um, so Royal's going to be yeah. his back. People are forgetting that. For those of you who are, heat, yeah. who are listening and, and, and it's, it's not just hot. Outside. It's not, I know it's, you're thinking, oh, yeah, it's Florida, South Florida. It's hot. It's been you. You guys have no idea. Like I went a couple weeks ago for a work trip uh, to Minneapolis and they were telling me, they were like, oh my God, it's so funny that the Florida guys are coming here because it's the hottest it's been all year. And I look at the weather on, on, on the phone and it's like 82, feels like 84. And I'm like, are you joking me right now? You don't want to come and deal with this heat. We've had, when, when you get, we've had heat wave my- indexes. If, we've ha- if, if you give South, they don't just give South Florida a heat index for nothing because we can handle that shit. They give it to us when it's ridiculous. And it's been like that for for a week now uh if it's not been more. very bad it especially been, this week been really I, bad and, i and, walked and my dog summer, before yeah, so doing might, this show yeah. <laughs> and i was out there for literally maybe five minutes and i'm like already about to drench so i had to go rinse my face yeah it's they so do mandatory broken. they do mandatory water breaks uh in here during the summer so i think i think you're having a royo who's going to be that backup i think you're going to get a true eight because with mata out you don't really – all you have is academy kids. And if you're going to make a comeback and play with Messi, you got to get you, you got to get a true eight in there. So I think we're going to find an eight somewhere in South America, someone you never heard of um, most likely who's going to be is, in their I prime mean, probably pretty fine. good. I like, I like if that. You get another like, Mota, yeah. If you can get another Mota, I am – Mota and Gregory are probably the most underrated duo midfielders in the league. They're very solid, very good. I, yeah, I, um, I do. And it's, and, and they're and they're very underrated. It's not talked about enough, mostly because we suck. And now and because injured, they're been injured, so yeah. So I think regardless, you're going to get an eight. You're probably going to keep them. And I think Motiv could be a great backup behind them. And I guess it's really dependent on how Tata envisions playing Messi. Is he going to play Messi as an inverted winger? Because if he's going to play him as an inverted winger and play him on the left side like he's done a lot in his in his past, or is he going to play him like he did in the most recent time at PSG in a as a ten with two strikers in front of him like they did with Mbappe? And um, I'm drawing a blank on the other guy, but like that that's how they ran it those pat towards the end of the PSG season. He was a ten behind two strikers, so. I guess it depends how they see him. Are they going to play him on the wing and play him attack? I think in this league. It requires wingers to go up and down. So I think they're going to play him as a 10. And with them playing as a 10, I even though it's not it's not Tata's forte, something's telling me they're going he's going to want Campana and Joseph on this field at the same time. I just feel, as somebody who he's familiar with Joseph, he he understands what Joseph can be if he has a true 10 behind him, like Al Marone before he went off to Newcastle. He was the biggest transfer in MLS history, and he had he was the main person feeding Joseph. And Joseph yeah. had that record year. And now you're giving Joseph Messi behind him. I just I can't envision Tata not at least seeing what Joseph has with Messi behind him because even though I people agree. want to say Joseph hasn't been that good, and Joseph, Tata has experience with that. Our midfield has been terrible. Our midfield has been god awful due to That's injuries. The issue. We had never had a 10. So it's like I I can't really evaluate Joseph and Campana if they've only getting like 15 touches a game. And when so, and the closest we've had to a 10 was Pozuelo, and that was the best period of our club's history. Look, I'm in the ballpark. If you can bring, bring him back. If you if you bring, can bring him, him back, back, 
Bring I him back. It. His baby would, mama I lives would, here. I would love it. Here's he loves my dream. It here. He wanted to stay. I don't. Here's my dream, and I don't think it's going to happen. But um, hear me out. I think we run a four-two-two-two, which we've done at times. And what I thought this team should have been playing from the beginning. You get Busquets, you get another eight. Whoever you get in the transfer market. In front of them, Messi, Pozuelo. And then up top, Campana, Joseph. And look, you, you're going to get, you're gonna get um, Pozuelo on a free. I, I really believe there's a reason why Pozuelo only did a six-month deal. They worked really hard to, get, to make it work with him. I think they're going to go for round two. Seeing how it works out, and I don't, I don't think they're going to get a DP. I think maybe they're going to find a way to allocate some TAM money because people are going to be leaving, um, for sure. I, I know yeah. obviously Pozuelo, obviously Pisado's gone. I don't know who else might leave. I wouldn't. Maybe you get rid of Negri. Maybe you feel like you can sell him higher than what you got for him if you're going to bring Alba in because you you got a lot of left backs on this roster, and if you're planning on bringing Alba, maybe you can move Negri and get some cash for him because he's played pretty decent in this league. I think another MLS team would pick him up. He could probably get some allocation money. So I don't, I, I would love to see that, but I think it's to me, even though it goes against Martata's DNA of having wingers and running a four, two, three, one, I think with just the roster that we have, unless they do something major, I think we're going to run with a two striker setup. Some way yeah. or another, unless they yeah. move from Campana, and that and that's another thing. Unless you move from Campana, but most likely if you're gonna like, I don't know. It's it's a real tricky situation because it's yeah. like you have to take into consideration those, we gotta, we gotta how so is Tata going to do out. it? How who who else does Jorge Mas have in his like eyesight? And how what player what pieces we already have on this team? So it, it's really tricky. So I I'm in the ballpark. We're getting two mid two more midfielders. One's going to be a DP. Um, no, I'm the both of them are going to be uh, probably high tan players. I don't th- I think they're going to be no names. I think your big names are going to be Messi, Busquets, and Alba. And outside of that, yeah. it's going to be some yeah, that's some young appears. cats from that's South what America. That's what um. Which I would love. I would love some young. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't mind that, and that seems to be the direction the club's leaning in. Um, but I think uh, there'll definitely be more to talk about as this develops. It's not even the transfer window doesn't officially open for MLS until beginning of July. Fifth. So, yep. So we still got time. Uh, there'll be more to talk about. Uh, I think we should move on. Um, yeah, let's go. All right, and now so another big news. We move on to. USA winning the Nations League may not be the you know the most important tournament in the world, but uh, USA have have proven um, that that is their competition at least for now in its short history. Uh, beating Canada in the final and Mexico in the semifinal, taking down both their rivals. Um, we've seen Balogun providing instant impact. Um, I, I actually think that's great for them. Um, what what do you think? Did you watch the game? What do you think of Balogun? Yeah, so real quick, I think it's kind of sad that the Nations League has become more important than the Gold Cup because FIFA mm-hmm. and CONCACAF want them to take it more seriously. So now everybody gives out their A lineups for Nations League, which I feel like is really random. If anything, you think it'd be the Gold Cup. People don't care about it that much. <laughs> I think the problem is with the Gold Cup is they do it too much. 
I don't know. Agreed, I don't. I don't yeah. know why they decided. Yeah, just to make like the a Nations Euro, League. once every four years. You know. Yeah, I think they did hard. the World Cup what every two years. I don't. It's too much. And I, I don't. And even so, like I don't know why they determined to make the Nations League. Like, oh, this is going to be the serious one. So, but we'll get into the Gold Cup more. But yeah. Um. As for Balogun, yeah. I mean, he's not like he played a stellar game or anything, but he was good. I mean, he was serviceable. He didn't cause. It wasn't like he missed open chances. Um. He, he was able to be a presence up top, you know, somebody that you hit that Mexico and Canada, they had to watch out for Like this is a guy who's one of the most lethal scorers in the French league and is going to be high on the transfer market somewhere over in the top five leagues. So it was somebody you had to watch out for. And everybody said like, I mean, even myself, like leading up to the world cup in the previous tournaments, the biggest question mark was what's going to be the number nine. What's the number nine situation for team USA? And now this has kind of put it all to bed because there's not a single person in that striker position that comes close to the level that this guy's playing at and to the value that he's at. So, and obviously it's going to take time for him to gel this. They've only played two, like he had a couple of training sessions. And then outside of that, they played Mexico and they played Canada. And I believe he got a goal against Canada, right? Yep. Yep. So yeah, I mean, look, I wasn't expecting him to go lights out and get a hat trick or anything like that. I just wanted him to go Agreed. up there, be a presence up top, gel, figure things out. Um, and mind you, those and are two and kind of be very tough games be, to be threatening. Introduce yourself to a team, you know, a whole new team, and your first two games are against Mexico in a semifinal and then Canada in a final. So it's not it's not easy games for him to go into, and I think that helps. You know, player like him being thrown right into the fire, um, I think is is a positive. So I I've said in previous episodes that I think this was amazing for the USA. This is exactly what they need, and um, you know, and what we've seen already, especially that his his goal against um, Canada. I mean, that's that's what the USA has has been missing. Someone who can sit off the back shoulder and then one good through ball. And bam, you know, he's going to finish it and put it in the back Elite of the net, no doubt. You know, it's 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 that clinicality. It's that, you know, eye for goal. Just ha- being always on the back shoulder waiting for that through ball. That's what USA needed. So that's that's going to be um, something to talk about. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, it's just going to get better as time goes yeah, on. Yeah, I think and it's going to get better. As, yeah, but I mean, I'm as worried long about, as you keep on playing... Um, Some people are worried Gio about the fact as that, that Burhalter yeah. will be coming back. Because um, I think this is a good time to talk about that, too. Do you think that's going to affect it? Do you think um, after seeing w- what this team can do in the Nations League, he's not going to play too much with it? Or do you th- do you think that, um, you know, there's some questions bringing him back? So here's my whole stance on the whole Burhalter thing. It is probably the m- most idiotic, stupidest, like incompetent thing the U.S. Soccer Federation has ever done. This is a guy that you let go, didn't re renew his contract. You go months without filling the position, openly saying and hiring an outside force to go find another coach just for you to bring the same mediocre coach 
back to the league. And everybody that defends this saying, look at his win percentage, look at this, look at that, is absolute horse shit and doesn't know fucking ball. You don't know ball. I don't give a fuck about his winning percentage. At the end of the day, he rid off the coattails of what Jurgen Klinsmann built by forcing kids to go to Europe and forcing the Federation to push MLS to send these kids over to Europe. Burhalter got gifted with these talented players with European experience at young ages with a lot of pace. And he still almost fucked it up. And I think the only reason why he made it as far as he did in the World Cup and winning these tournaments was because of the talent that was there, not because of his tactics. Van Gaal openly said that his tactics were lackluster and he got outcoached. That Netherlands game, he got outcoached. Yes. I don't give a fuck what your win percentage is if you're beating up on lower-level CONCACAF Caribbean Island Nation teams. You finished third in qualifying. Oh, and we'll talk about you that lost, in the Gold Cup. I have some comments yeah. about that in the Gold Cup to yeah. um, Well, you to lost you that went point. To third in qualifying against, with your A team, you lost in San Jose, Costa Rica against the Costa Rican B team. Like, <laughs> and you lost to their A team. And then on top of that, you have all the drama about not bringing Pepe, but you bring Jesus Ferreira, which, yes, he's good in MLS, but he's been proved time in and time again. This guy's got plenty of chances with the national team and has never delivered. He's had one goal, one good game against a, a club like Granada. I don't care that you beat Granada 5 nothing. That doesn't prove anything to me. You went into a group with England, Wales, and Iran, and you only won one. And you won it by one goal. That's not impressive. And then you get outcoached yeah. by the Netherlands with the golden generation of the United States men's national team. Bruce Arena went farther with that, like with bumps. Like, I mean, let's be real. And look, I'm an MLS fan, but if you are, but to switch to me as a U.S. men's national team, there's certain players in the MLS that should not be on this team. If anything, there's better MLS talent that's out there. As on this, not your Acostas, not your Jesus, like Jesus Ferreira, not your Paul Ariolas, not like all these guys. Like these are guys who are. This is it. This is all they're going to be. Not your DeAndre Yedlins. Like these are guys. Like if you're going to play MLS players, play the young guys, the guys who are 21 and 22 years old, who are put them in these national teams. Have them a chance to showcase themselves, like Casey Ferreira did, like Ricardo Pepe. They proved themselves. Ricardo Pepe then went off to get sold. Jesus Ferreira, that didn't happen, even though I think eventually he probably will because he's still lightening up in the MLS. But it, I was never a Burhalter fan. I thought the guy was not capable. You, he didn't know how to pick formations based on what he has. And I think BJ Callahan, the assistant to the assistant came in, stepped up, and actually played a formation that actually fit what they're supposed to do. Why are we running Weston McKenney, Tyler Adams, and Eunice Musa in your midfield? You're bringing no creativity to the strikers that you did bring. And you have, you, you, yes, those are all good midfielders. But at the end of the day, you're bringing in box-to-box and defensive midfielders. McKenney and Musa are not going to be able to feed who's ever at striker. They're not going to be able to feed Pulisic. Not going to be able to feed Wea, 
who looks like he's going to Juventus, by the way. Like, this is like, it's it's stupid. And then we see in the Nations League, it's like, you now bring in Gio Reyna, BJ Callahan, put him in his natural position as a 10 to be that creator, and look what happened. They didn't just beat Mexico. They didn't just beat Canada. They obliterated them. It wasn't even close. And this is what it should have been for the past three years under Burhalter's yep. control. This at the end of the day, totally Mexico agree. is not Mexico's A team is not nearly as good as USA's may A team. Canada catching up, but there's still not enough talent there. Mexico has their own issues, and this is probably the worst Mexican team that's been around in decades, probably 40 years. This is one of the worst Mexican teams ever, and it's still their own fault because they don't want to send their players off to higher-level leagues. They think of themselves way too high. And it's like, look, you put up a team, a bunch of Liga MX players outside of Chucky Lozano, and you go against all these other players who are scoring it up in Europe. Like, It's just not even close. And I hope Greg can look at what Callahan did, and Callahan stays as the assistant and like, look, we need to play these players in their natural positions and come up with tactical formations based off what the game is throwing in front of us. If you're playing a Mexico or you're playing a Wales or an Iran, why are you running a 4-3-3 when you have Gio Reyna on the bench? Like it is asinine. So I hope, I hope, even though I, I firmly believe unless you win or you go the highest you've ever made it to a World Cup, I think you should always get rid of a coach. I firmly stand by it. Like, Greg Berhalter did nothing special. If anything, he underperformed a little bit, and you need to move on. Go find someone else. This is a federation with a lot of money. Like, you, you can make it happen. Bring someone else. But instead, they brought the same mediocre, haphazard coach who hasn't won shit. That's, and let's not forget, he coached second division in Sweden, and then he made it to one MLS final in ML, eh, with Columbus. It's like, this guy, he, he probably should have never got the job in the first place. I was a big fan of the talks of bringing Patrick Vieira from Crystal Palace over. Like, to me, I would have loved that. This is a guy with a proven record who's done really well, very well respected, knows the American player and the American system. And has won a, he, he's even won an MLS Cup here. I, I was all for the Patrick Vieira. I think that was the best name ever linked to the U.S. men's national team. Not fucking everybody rooting for Jose Mourinho makes no sense to me. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it, that that whole Burr Halter thing. When I saw that, I just started laughing. I'm like, gosh, I thought the Costa Rican national team was a shit show. Look at this. At least, <laughs> but at least the U.S. actually has talent on the field. They're calling out the right players, but. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, you said it all there. Um, I totally agree. I think that tactics that they played just proved how good they can be. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to talk too much more about it because you really did say everything that you know, I rather have Callahan over yeah. Burhalter. Yeah, honestly. I mean, after Callahan that performance, here, yeah, but um, dominated the National oh, League because he played the players in the right mm-hmm. fucking positions. It's not that hard, man. Yeah. Especially in this federal, especially in this uh, con- in this region, yeah, like in Concacaf, yeah. But before you move on to talking about the Gold Cup preview, I have to mention this just because I was so annoyed at it that I had to put it in for this podcast was the refereeing performance from the Mexico USA game. Luckily, it did not impact the 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 game. I think it was a deserved three nothing as we just talked about. 
um, for America. But I mean, the ref, if you talk about losing control of a game and the definition of what you don't want to have happen as a referee, well, they should, they should play that video of that 90 minutes on tape for every referee in school to know that that's what you can't do. I mean, that was absolutely, he, he could have, because let's be honest and I'm, and I'm not even completely lost control. Yeah. I'm not, I, and, to be, and I know it seems like, oh yeah, he's from Florida, you know, America. like, I don't even really care that much about, like, I'm more to my roots, like a Polish national team than I am like American. So sometimes like I, I'm, I'm, I can, I could step back and be unbiased about this. And yet still it was not the Americans. I mean, the guys handing out red cards to both Mexico and a USA player when re- in reality it's just a Mexico player who should get the red card because it's just disgusting play. And then you got fans, Mexican fans, also helping in that bad behavior by throwing shit onto the field. Um, it was just an all-out shit show. I think that referee had probably one of the worst nights of his career, and he needs to understand why and how stupid that both, you know, giving multiple red cards like that was. I mean, you could have easily stopped the game by just actually recognizing who did the the act and giving that person a red card and telling everyone to stop. Because that's Much just harder. how it ends it. I mean, like, you know, they're not even, they didn't want to. They didn't want to. It's like, oh, there's too much shit. It's like, it's like an inconvenience for them being there. It's like, oh, let's just get this shit over with. So it, that I just had to mention because it just pissed me off so much. And I'm sure you, to agree. end a game, I mean, if you want to, if you want to add anything um, to say. it, but that's pretty much all I have to say. The referee was abysmal and the red cards to the Americans you could make an argument for it them getting the red card but in terms of game management and the aggressor it's clearly the mexican team and they should have been the ones just getting the reds not the americans yeah the most egregious was the mckinney one that was ridiculous the dude literally walked off the field with a ripped shirt with hands around his neck but yet he got the red card. he gets the red card the only benefit of that is is uh, americans have a nice uh meme slash picture you know just regular picture of 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 weston kissing the badge while he's walking off the field who, the ripped badge who was the one that got choked up there's somebody who had this their arm around their neck too i'm drawing a blank i i am too but because oh it was just God. so chaotic who, who, i forgot, i didn't yeah, i wasn't was. even i wasn't even i don't even care because it was just regardless it was just a, a joke i'll say uh, this if it's an if it's a, if the game ends on a 9v9 there's a very Something good chance wrong. that ref lost control of the game and didn't know what to do. Yeah, sometimes and, and situations sure, yeah, where it's exactly. like it's a, it's a flat out brawl and then it's like boom, red 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 red. But in a lot of cases, when you see that many people with red cards, it's most likely due to the le- the ref lost control of the game. Um and then yeah, obviously the Mexicans being sore ass fucking losers. And it, it it's like I mean I get the fans and I feel for the fans because it's like their federation has fucked them over so much and the, the Liga MX and all the all the higher ups of the Me- and Mexican football is like really fucked up the national team and the league itself. So I see them getting upset. No excuse to throw shit. Um but um what's it called? But as for the players, it's like, bro, just take your fucking L. Like Yeah. 
you yeah, you're just was, not as talented. Like just just face it. For you to get all upset and all angry, and it's like, no, just take take your L. It's embarrassing. Stop being a little bitch. You lost. You're losing. You're not as good. Accept it. It's just like as for the players, like. I don't know. And rightfully, that coach uh, got fired, Diego Coca, like after like three months or four months of getting hired. Um, that Mexico, I don't think, is going to be back to their powerful ways in a long time. I think it's going to require them to get a complete rebuild. Yeah, and they need to. Yeah, they, they they're everything. they're in trouble right now for sure. Um, they need to that, look at what America's been doing. Honestly, you need yeah. to send your players over. But I think you that's a to. good, that's a perfect segue into uh, our next topic, which is the Gold Cup preview. Um, uh, like I was saying, we we're going to, you know, with when you said with Burhalter and his win percentage, a lot of, um, especially in the group stage, a lot of cupcake teams that are just absolutely going to get trounced. Um, so that's where your win percentage get boost gets boosted, and it's really in the knockout. Well, then also we really the friendlies they pick. That was the problem. The friendlies they pick. They pick friendlies. They never they never played away from home. I think their away record was like super low. I I think they barely played any away games, like barely outside of uh, qualifying. But I'll pull yeah. up the group stage yep. right now. Yep. Yeah, we can talk about the tournament as a whole here. So. Um, Let's run through super quickly, and yeah, then we, we can kind of give take our too much time because as as this moves into knockout, then it'll be worth talking more because I yeah. think this group stage with the teams that you guys see in here, it's pretty obvious what we're gonna think. Mm. Um, yeah, so we're gonna go with our top one. So we'll go with Group A. We got Jamaica, Saint Kitts, Saint Saint Kitts and Nevis, uh, Trinidad, Tobago, and USA. Obviously, I think it's going to be USA topping the group, then Jamaica, yeah, USA, then um, Trinidad, yeah. and then St. Kitts and Nevis. Shout out to them. They make their first Gold Cup ever, the smallest yeah. country in the CONCACAF region. So pretty cool ch- achievement for them. But we all know how it's going to be. USA, yeah, we Jamaica, know. Trinidad, USA is definitely going to move on. Um, Jamaica, Trinidad, I think actually could go either way. Um, but I, uh, I'll Jamaica's tend to agree good, with you dude. Yeah, Have I'll, tend to, agree. I'll tend to agree with you. Their player pool is just a better right now so i would agree jamaica second quick thing jake jamaica if they can get they're another one where they're federated a, a lot of Concacaf has just shit federations that are all over the place and jamaica is another one where they have so much talent and won over so many english dual nationals from england mm-hmm. like they if they genuinely got their shit together they could be a threat in this confederation like a, a serious threat and obviously Concacaf needs as much competition as possible but I don't know. I think they're going to, they're my sleeper pick this gold cup. I think they can make a decent run to the Lisa semifinals. Um, all right. So the next one we got Haiti, Honduras, Mexico, and Qatar, uh, Mexico, I think clearly tops the group. Um, I think Haiti gets last because of all the political situations they're having. And I think it's going to be a tough, but yeah, it is tough. tough between Honduras, Honduras and, uh, Qatar, Qatar didn't look out of place at the world cup. They did and not the last at all. Gold cup. They got yeah. out of the group in the last yes. Gold Cup. So I, 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 I'll yeah, give it to them there. I, I think Mexico, Qatar. Yeah, Mexico, Qatar. Yeah. I'm going to go. Man. Honduras had a really rough qualifying Nations yes. League, man, yeah. and Nations League. I think I'm going to go with you here, man. Sorry, sorry to all my Hondurans. Uh, they're kind of going through a rebuild themselves. Um, I'm going Mexico, Qatar. All right. Group C, which I think is the 
toughest group out of all of really? the death. Some will say, yeah, you think um, so? Costa Rica, El Salvador, I think El Salvador Martinique, is a Panama. bit overrated. Um, um, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Martinique, and Panama. I think we can all agree Martinique gets last place. And then we go to the big three in this group, which I think Panama tops the group. I think they have the best coach out of everybody. I think yeah. they got decent enough talent. They performed very well at the Nations League. They The reason why they're in the Nations League is because they knocked off Costa Rica in the group stage. Um, uh, because that game between Panama and Costa Rica determined who got into the Nations League final between to go against Canada. So I think Panama tops the group, and here's where it's tough for me because, look, um, I've told you off air and a lot, like the Costa Rican national team has been an absolute shit show. They, for some reason, keep on holding on to Luis Fernando Suarez, a guy who's proven to not be good enough for this team. He selects terrible, washed-out old players that play in the Costa Rican league, except you have such a good player pool out there that's playing in MLS, that's playing in Europe, and he's not calling him in. He refuses to call in wingers. It it gets me so irritated because I know this team can be better, and we have so much young talent. And yes, Costa Rica is missing that missing middle generation, that 24 to 29 generation. We have that missing middle because the guys we thought that were going to fill in that spot that should be playing now in their mid-20s didn't end up panning out. Um, and then the ones that have, they refuse to call them up for whatever reason. So I'm a little on the fence. And also, too, Costa Rica just lost their last couple friendlies against Guatemala. They lost to Ecuador, which is whatever. I think Ecuador is a better team right now. But you lose to Guatemala, which is absolutely embarrassing. Like Costa Rica for two decades now have been the third place team, have been in the top three of CONCACAF. And it's all going down the drain because we won't get rid of this bum who who got by in the skin of his teeth into World Cup qualifying, barely made it in. He some barely somehow they had a decent performance in the World Cup stage, which I think is I think they're overrating way too much because I think a lot of it just had to do with Germany playing really bad because we saw what happened with Spain did to them, absolutely obliterated them. And I think they got lucky with Japan. And Germany is just so bad, they put them on the ropes. So I think they're overrating that World Cup performance. I'm not... I think... I'll say this. I wouldn't be surprised if Costa Rica gets knocked out of the group stage. They shouldn't. They're by far the most talented team in this group, if you look at their player pool. And even the t- the roster they brought, I still think they're the most talented team. But I just don't trust that coach. He keep you want to talk about Jose Mourinho playing dinosaur football <laughs> yeah, know, right? and just slow block. This guy takes it to a whole nother level. He no, runs Joel Campbell. With you, and I think Joel that's gonna Campbell hurt. Oh my and god. No one else. Yeah, that's and no one else. But I, love I, I love him, but you gotta give him somebody. He just yeah. won Conference Champions League in Leon. It's like give give him someone to feed off of, and it's it's not gonna work. So 
but you're right. El Salvador is known for being super leaky with their goals. They don't. Look yeah. Good. They've been growing. So, so yeah. So I, I, I agree with you. I think Costa Rica, well, I think they're going to get through the group with Panama, but I think, I think they get uh, everything. That I'm just saying about, I wouldn't be surprised. Yes, if El Salvador I, I, and I can see that, but I think it's going to hurt them later in the competition when they get to the knockouts. That's when it's really going to hurt. And I will say this right now, he is on the hot seat. And if he doesn't get out of this group, He's for sure gone. So a part of me, a little inkling in me, I never want Costa Rica to lose. But a part of me wants them to lose and not make it through the group stage just so there's no more excuses. Hey, you got to get rid of them. That's how because I felt with it, Phil this entire this entire first because half of the season. I was starting to get to the because, point where I just wanted them to lose just so that they could spare us of this bullshit. Because Costa Rica media has been super on his ass. It's been super, especially since not making the Nations League. That was like a big, like, draw and like seeing Panama get ahead of you. So yeah. I still think they get out though. I think successful run would be the semifinals, but yeah, I think it's going to be put closer to Panama. I think Panama tops the group without a doubt in my mind. And I just wouldn't be surprised. Also, but we can go to the next one and this is pretty much like a done deal. Um, Canada, Canada Cuba, Guadalupe, sure. and Guatemala, Canada clearly clears the group. And then I'm going to go with Guatemala here. Um, yeah, Guatemala are definitely at against, um, Costa Rica, and from what I understand, don't really follow Guatemala national team, but they have a solid young group. Um, yeah, I agree. They're, they're good, but I did see that they they in their last um, game against Cuba, who actually surprisingly haven't been awful, did beat Gua- so Cuba's uh, Guatemala. Been winning a so they've been surprising. So I would agree. I think Guatemala is probably the favorite to go through in the group over Cuba. But I wouldn't be surprised if Cuba shock and move on. Me too. I, I yeah, I think Guadalupe gets last. Um, and yes. you know, shout out to Cuba. I think they've been doing a really good job. Their national team, not the country. I think they've been doing a really good job of supporters and one, one getting sense. a lot of um American based players. Like I think even Inter Miami is sending homegrown talent. Uh, the, I think Inter Miami homegrown talent is representing Cuba, so they're getting a lot of Americans, especially here. And I think they've slowly been on a rise. Cuba was a place you never thought would even be in the Gold Cup, and now they're oh, yeah. in it. So, yeah. um, I think as long as Inter Miami plays well and they have good academies, you might start to see a lot of those academy with the amount of Cubans that are down here. You might see a lot of those academy kids starting getting called, which we're already starting to see. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much our group. So for Group A, like re- recap, one more time, USA, Jamaica. Group B, we have Mexico, Qatar. We're pretty much all in agreement. Costa, Panama, Costa Rica, and then Canada and Guatemala. So, but I definitely think groups, I think the, the biggest matchup that you're going to want to see is probably going to be Costa Rica, El Salvador. I think that's really where you're going to see, like, depending who moves on, but everybody else. And I also think Qatar... Qatar versus Honduras is going to be kind of interesting as well. Yeah. Because I think yeah. those two matches are going to determine who gets in. But yeah. So let's move over to the picks of the week. We'll run through this pretty quickly. And then we're going to go over to our latest news in the European market. So we we haven't done these picks in a little bit. So, but they are updated. Yes. So I do want you to do this, Adam. Can you go to the FOT mob and go to the standings and go to pull it up the last five matches? I think it'd be a good uh, reference for us to kind of like pick these players. Even though I still, I think we do a good job. 
picking teams that we think is going to win. But I think it'd be a nice little reference to see what the last five matches are for these guys. All right. You got it. So I forgot which match day number this is, but you will see it in the title. So let's pull it up here. I believe this has got to be match day 21, I think. But if I'm wrong, if every I'll team. Correct. Ooh. Yeah. Because, yeah. Sporting right Kansas on? City have 20 games played. So, yeah, it's match day 21. Okay, awesome. Wow. Man, I I completely guessed that. Let's go. That's fucking wild. <laughs> I completely I knew it was somewhere around there. I knew it was kind of close. So yep. So let's get into it. First game of the week. We got Charlotte versus Montreal. Charlotte minus 115 at home. Montreal plus 270 away, with the draw being a plus 250. Um, I think Montreal's starting to kind of like develop and play a little bit better. Um Charlotte has as well. I think this is going to be a little bit of a sneaky good game. Um, they're both trying to get out of that bottom dweller of the Eastern Conference. What is their last five games looking like for both teams? For Montreal, they have three wins, a draw, and a loss. Charlotte have one win, two losses, and two draws. Yeah, so Montreal... Montreal like have said, looked think, a different team. I, I would definitely take been Montreal really on well. this one. I think... I think uh, Ariel Lasseter is playing very well for that. I think Bryce Duke scored a goal. Uh, Inter-Miami players continue going on that role. When they go to another team, they play well. Um, so I'm going to go Montreal here. Yeah, I think they're coming yeah. in. So we're both I think that's good money. That one. 270 yeah. on Montreal. I that is good money. money. I think that is good money. All right. New York Red Bulls versus Atlanta United. New York Red Bulls minus 110. Atlanta United plus 270 with a plus 240 as the draw. So yeah, New York Red Bulls are coming off a win, loss, win, loss, draw. Atlanta are draw, 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 win, draw. So very interesting. Um, last so, yeah, five and games. I think, I think both. So New York Red Bulls. Um, actually, no. Yeah, neither teams. I don't think are going to be missing anybody to the Gold Cup because that's something we have to take into consideration. Um. I like Atlanta, man. I really do. I know New York's pretty strong at home, but Atlanta, uh, I'm going to go with the draw here. I think Atlanta and Geomachus and Almada and uh, Caleb Wiley and Jarek Etienne are going to be playing really well. Um, so I, I'm going to go with the draw. I'm going to, I think they're going to get enough to get a goal. I don't think you could shut out Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, gonna I'm go actually going to go Atlanta here. Um, I just, yeah, it's with New York at home. It's it's their best chance, but I'm looking for Atlanta to 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 stop this um, this drawing BS. I think they have the talent, and I think this is a good team to do it against. All right, next game: Columbus Crew versus Nashville. Columbus Crew minus one ten, Nashville plus two fifty, with the draw being a plus two fifty. So this is another team. I'm trying to think if they're missing anybody. They're going to be missing. Nashville's going to be without Walker Zimmerman, but they proved that. They've been able to fill it in during his injury. And both they teams didn't really need have him. the same exact record in the last five. So I think this is going to be a really solid game. I think the odds towards Nashville is a little high. Um, but I'm going to go draw here as well with that plus 250. I agree. I, I like a draw here. These, types of, these two teams, um, the way they're playing, 
it really could go either way. So I think a draw is probably a safer bet here for us in that case. All right, let's do DC United versus oh, FC shit. Cincinnati. DC United plus 105, FC Cincinnati plus 200 with the draw being at plus 250. So D, mind you, FC Cincinnati is going to be without Brandon Vasquez, their main striker up top. So this is where it gets a little interesting. You're still going to have Lucho there, which is obviously one of the best 10s in the league. Lucho has been a monster and actually applying to get his United States citizenship. So could potentially be USMNT eligible event in the future, which would be nice to have some depth at depth at that 10 position um, behind Reina. But man, uh, I think I'm going to go draw here as well. I think Cincinnati, I think no matter what they can get one in the back of the net, DC has been whatever. They haven't really been great. They haven't really been bad either. Um, I'm going to go draw here. Yeah, I'm just I think looking. Cincinnati keeps the point uh, streaker alive. I see what you're saying with Cincinnati, but they've looked really good. Um, only dropping two points in their last five games with a draw. I still think that Cincinnati, they're one of the top dogs in the conference, and I think it'll show. So I'm going to pick Cincinnati. Yeah. We're rooting for no home teams, but that's probably going to change in this game. New England Revolution versus Toronto FC. New England minus 175, Toronto plus 390 with the draw being a plus 300. New England Revolution will be without Dewan Jones, their left back, who's one of their best players on the team. One of the best left backs in the league, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I still think they have tons of depth, and as long as you got Carlos Hill up there, anything's possible. Um, I like New England at home. I think they win this game. Toronto's been a shit show. Um, but give us the last five games. Um, I think we all pretty much got new. I think me both got New England. Everybody yes, else I agree. But I will. I, 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 yeah, I'm just going to mention that. But we are in agreement. Um, New England have three draws, two wins. And Toronto have three draws, a win and a loss. Toronto continues to be me go farther and farther down the dream. <laughs> All right, man. Heavy favorites here. Philadelphia Union <laughs> minus 270 with Inter Miami plus 550 with the draw being a plus 380. New England, now that CCL's over and they got knocked out, they've kind of gone back on a resurgence. They're kind of playing at the level we expected them to be. Inter Miami still continues to go down the dumps. Six game losing streak. And now they're going to yeah. go to Philadelphia, one of the toughest places to play against one of the best teams in the league. I'd be crazy to pick anything other than a Philadelphia Union win. Yeah, this is the easiest pick of the week, and the odds reflect that. So, yeah, that's pretty Injuries obvious. Injuries have been really. piling up yeah. for Inter Miami. And big players are not coming yet. Miami so team. You're gonna, we're going to have to wait uh, about another month before you start seeing these big names that we're talking about. Uh, I mean, they keep on going down this hole. Messi's not going to be able to save them. By the way, I mean, before we move on, Busquets was officially announced by the club while we were recording. I don't know if you checked. What? But... Really? Yeah, oh, they posted, my God. They, post, they posted a, one of those videos. Weird Major ones, like, L. So that is, that is official. Busquets is official. And uh, let's move on. F my life. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
All right. Austin FC versus Houston Dynamo. Austin FC plus 105. Houston plus 220 with the draw being a plus 250. We've got a little bit of a Texas Derby here. Austin finally getting a very strong win this past week. But Houston is on a absolute tear right yeah, now. Yeah, you, call, you called me crazy is... la- for the last picks. Uh, the last time we did picks, I picked Houston at home, and you were like, really? And you went the other yeah. way. And I looked well, at I those scores, you... and I felt very smart about myself. Houston have been looking really good, especially at home. And boy, yeah. I didn't expect that result, but it was 4 So my nothing. thought process was that Houston has been decent at home, but they haven't been like dominant either, and they haven't been like, like when they're away from home, they, they're around mid-table. But Houston now has really stepped in and actually winning away as well. I believe they're 7-1-1 one and one in the last nine games, something yeah. like that. Yeah, they've um, won three straight. So I think this is going to be a really good game, um, especially at Austin. Like I said, I think Austin, I, I don't know if they're going to make it back into the playoff race. They've had such a rough start, but they started to play a little bit better. Um, so I'm going to go draw here. I think it's going to have a Houston Austin draw with a plus two fifty. Um, Austin's last five games, they have a loss, win, loss, loss, win. Um, Houston, like I said, three straight wins before that two L's. Um, but they, they've been looking really good. I, I just have to stick with Houston right now. They're the hot team. They're probably one of the hottest teams if you're talking about form. Um, uh, yeah, I mean they are. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm scrolling through. I'm scrolling through the last five games. In terms of form, they are the hottest team, um, besides maybe Cincinnati. Uh, yeah. So let's go to another team that's been a little bit on a streak lately and have been kind of uh, redeeming themselves from such a strong, such a weak beginning. Sporting Kansas City. For Chicago Fire, Sporting Kansas City minus 145. Chicago Fire plus 330 with a draw being a plus 280. Chicago continues to go down the hole, especially without Shakiri at the helm, still injured. Sporting KC, on the other hand, is starting to play pretty well. Um, they're yeah, they're actually at all. on a little bit of a run. They've pushed themselves into the playoff picture. And uh, yeah, I got Sporting KC here, but give us the last five games for both teams. Sporting KC, you know, a little wishy-washy, but some of those were against good teams. They are win, draw, win, loss, draw. And Chicago are draw, draw, loss, loss, win. So I, 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 uh, this is a tough even one. If you go I, pat, and even I if have you go to take KC at games, home. I just have and to. Even if you go past those five games for KC, they've actually been pretty well. They've been doing pretty decent. They're kind of digging themselves out of that hole. Yeah, um, but I, I do have to pick KC for this one, especially at home. I think that's going to help them. And let me see something here. Yeah, and then you got um, Alan Polito too. He he's been he's been really stepping up. I was trying to see if he. Uh, I, I saw he played last night. I was just trying to see how far back he went. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's been a, one of their big signings for them, and he's been playing very well um, since he's gotten back from injury. Um, I was just trying to see how far, how many games he's been playing. But yeah, yeah, um, big pickup. Casey just got better getting one of their star players back. So now let's go to the dumpster that is the bottom of the Western Conference and is the Colorado Rapids 
versus the LA Galaxy, Colorado plus 110, LA Galaxy plus 200 with a draw being at plus 240. Honestly, I'm a little stumped here. I mean, you're talking about the two two of the three worst teams in the league. But, oh, man. I think LA wins. I think LA gets a victory away. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Um, if you look at the last five, um, I mean, not that it matters too much, but LA, loss, loss, win, draw, draw, where Colorado are loss, 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 draw, loss. So I think Colorado are the weak, one of the weakest teams in this entire league. LA... They're not much better, but I think at least they have out for the season. Yeah, at least they got, you know, a a creative force in Ricky Pooch. Um, You know, they got someone that can save them, and I Colorado don't. I tell you what, that Chicharito blow hurts. I mean, that ruins their season for sure. Yeah. All right, let's go with another rising team, Real Salt Lake. Versus Minnesota United, Real Salt Lake plus 100, Minnesota United plus 220 with the draw being a plus 250. I like Real Salt Lake. They're starting to play really well. Um, We didn't get the chance to talk about it because we were missing last week. But Chicho Arango coming from Mexico to Real Salt Lake after leaving LAFC because LAFC didn't want to give him the money he deserved. And now LAFC paid for it by not by losing the Champions League when they could have used him right there. Um so I love to see him kind of get a little bit of revenge and come back to MLS and have a team that's actually paying him what he's worth. Um, I think that's one thing you're going to see in a lot of these big markets like Miami and LA is they're always going to be very hesitant to sign like guys who are good players, but not necessarily have the name behind them. And I think that's what LA was doing is like, do we want to pay a guy named Chicho Arango who no one really knows outside of the MLS? Or are we going to want to see that spot open for like a big name guy? That will bring spots in the seats. But nonetheless, it's to the benefit of Real Salt Lake. Um, Minnesota has been a little bit down lately. Um, But Real Salt Lake playing very well. I'm going to go Real Salt Lake at home. I like the odds of the plus 100. But give us the last five games. I agree. Uh, Real Salt Lake, um, their last five is a loss, win, draw, win, win. And Minnesota have a win, draw, loss, draw, loss. So the hot is, hotter team is definitely Real Salt Lake. Minnesota's not a horrible team, but you know, with this this recent bad form, uh, they are just sitting above LA Galaxy and, and Colorado. So I think at home, Real Salt Lake should be the clear favorite here. All right. Now we got LAFC versus Vancouver Whitecaps. LAFC obviously going to be without Aaron Long due to U.S. Men's National Team duty. But I like uh, LA at home. Regardless, there's still so much talent on that team. Yeah, and, at uh, home, yeah, they're gonna I, yeah. Win. They've they've had a little bit of a hit, some hiccups. Uh, you know, last time we did the picks, especially. Um, although I did kind of see that one coming. LAFC's last five draw, loss, loss, but they got back to winning ways with two two wins in a row. Um, whereas Vancouver. Um, they are very up and down. Win, loss, win, draw, draw. Um, so yeah, I, I at home LAFC have to be considered the favorites here. All right, let's go with uh, two teams, uh, especially that aren't playing up to their strengths. Um, especially New York City FC, but Portland Timbers versus New York City FC. Portland minus one hundred five. New York City FC plus. 
260 with the draw being a plus 240. New York City has not won in two months. New York City has FC has not won in two months. And now you're going over to Portland. A team yeah, that has been a playing long trip there. Team that hasn't been playing well either, but they've been playing better than New York City. So I'm going to go Definitely. Portland here, but give us the last five. And it's, and it's a tough place to play as well. Like you say yes. with New York City FC, they have not won in a while. Lost, draw, 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 draw. And for Portland, we have lost, draw, win, draw, loss. So one that just can't get three points and one that just can't stay consistent. But uh, with this long, long trip for New York City, I think it's going to benefit Portland here. So I, I would hey, see it being like a one MLS, something. <laughs> MLS uh, 2001 uh, finals rematch. Yeah, it's a shame it's not worth really much <laughs> and, right now. Yeah, and New York, remember New York won in Portland too just two yeah. years ago. So not even two years ago, like a year and a half ago. So pretty crazy to see how both have felt. That shows how much uh, MLS can go up and down. But now we got Seattle Sounders versus Orlando City at Seattle. Minus 120, Orlando City, plus 290 with a draw being a plus 240. I'm going with Seattle here. Easy pick. Yeah, so Orlando, their last five draw, win-win, loss, draw. Um, And uh, Seattle... Win, loss, draw, draw, loss. So they've Seattle have had a rough uh, few weeks, but they're still in the top three of the Western Conference um, and at home against Orlando. Another long, long away trip for Orlando, um, who, who have improved a little bit this season, but I still would go with Seattle on this one. All right. And then we're going to the final game. Of the week, San Jose Earthquakes versus St. Louis City. San Jose plus 105. St. Louis plus 200 with a draw being at plus 250. Um, I'm going to go. So St. Louis out with, out with two DPs. Yeah, they've been struggling want, with that too. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Yeah, I think St. Louis has kind of came back down from earth. Um, granted, like I said, without Joel Klaus. And their other DP, they've been kind of struggling. But I'm going to go San Jose here. I think San Jose is going to get the the win here with the that minus 105. Uh, it's not a bad pick. I'd probably lean that way. But I'm, I'm going to say um, draw. All right. And that is the picks of the week for match day 21. Obviously, come back next week so you guys can tell us how stupid we are and how our yeah. picks were awful. And probably we only got two right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I feel really good about this week. I think uh, I feel like as the season goes on, we start to know who's who. But then again, yeah. there's always teams going on streaks, teams that aren't going on streaks. I don't know. MLS is fucking impossible. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> But uh, yeah, let's. Uh, let's yeah, hop so we over. only got a couple more things to talk about. Um, we will hop over now internationally because the season is over. So I guess we can talk about you know what's going on around the world. But there is one thing that we do need to talk about because the last time we were here talking to you guys on this podcast, uh, we were talking about Champions League preview, and although the game did not play out how we predicted. Not at all. Um, the result was how we predicted. Um, 
So, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious whose fault it was uh, for anybody who watched the game to bring Inter back into it. Um, <laughs> Lukaku. The man in the Lukaku legend. was absolute caca and not the player. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that was I just, mean... I mean, he, he, so, I mean, the question I have here, I mean, I think we know the answer to it, but the question I have here is, did he sell out Inter or <laughs> did City have this game in the bag the whole time? Um, Man, so City was dominating that first half. Inter, As expected, yeah. Inter actually put up a really good fight, especially in that second half with a lot of clearly really good chances. To where you could say, like, prime Lukaku. Well, I guess even prime Lukaku would miss those and make those mistakes. But let's just say a competent striker up top, or just say, like, a, a Lukaku in form, puts those away. And honestly, Inter wins that game. Like, let's be real. Like, these are, those were gimme goals, like a yeah. lot of those. And those should have went in. Look, City kind of dominated the game possession wise. But they didn't create a whole ton of like clear cut. Yeah, that's. I think Inter, their tactical style. Yeah, Inter's tactical style. The way they set up, they knew who they were going to be playing against. They knew how what City and Pep wanted to do because it's been working for them the whole season. So I think their game plan was correct, and it gave. I called that game plan. Yeah, it. Well, they needed to do it. (laughs) You know, they they had no other choice. They had no other choice, and that's what they've been good at. And that's all they can really do against this t- this city team. Um, so yeah, tactically, I think Inter did everything they could just for Lukaku to sell them out. I think they did sell them out. And I think if you're looking at just the first half, yeah, City did have it in the bag. And if you're looking, you know, on paper, City had it in the bag. But the game definitely played out a little bit like we thought, and a little bit like we, you know. Like we didn't, I didn't think Inter, I thought Inter would definitely play with that tactical style. Didn't think that they were going to do so well with it and to the point where they had a chance to equalize and maybe even win the game. Um, yeah, that all because, goes down I mean, to we Lukaku. All know. I mean, that was just a, a uh, I mean, everyone was talking shit about him. Um, I don't think there's yeah. any other way to slice it. Um, he's being tossed around like a hot potato. I mean, honestly, I mean, with Lukaku. The way like the rumors are going with like oh where he's gonna end up, he's basically being juggled around all these teams and nobody wants him, nobody. Um, and, yeah, and, and I mean, see why? I, I mean, as for the game, it's like, I mean, look, I mean, City was going to dominate the stat sheet. We already knew that. It was just the way they play with Pep, the type of talent, the amount of money they have put into that roster. We we knew that. I mean, they were going to dominate the stat sheet, but obviously, we all know in soccer and football, like. It doesn't matter what you do in the stat sheet. Like, it doesn't matter how much possession you have, especially us as inner Miami fans. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, if you can get the two goals, all it matters is getting into the back of the net. And honestly, like, Inter, those shots they had were more clear cut, higher expected goal, uh, whatever rating you want to give it, more so than what City had. So, really, if you had any competent player, that wasn't blocking the goal or completely missed an open shot. I think any you you put Lataro in that situation, they win that game. Yeah, so I it's agree. like yeah, City. I agree. 
I, but it's hard for me to say City had it in the bag because, like, it's at the end of the day when you miss two clear cut opportunities like that, like, and any other professional makes that, like, you could clearly say they won that game, even though yeah. City was the better team. Let's they put it like better, that. They had more City stats. fans. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, if you you have that, if you're able to create enough chances to where you get those easy goals, then that's how you win. Yeah. The only problem was they couldn't put it away. Yeah, but I was gonna say let's because go like this. I don't. I, I would say City didn't really have it in the bag because if you were gonna ask like true City fan, lifelong City fans, how they were feeling when, about those chances and things like that, they were probably sweating. I mean, yes, you could borderline as, say as they're lucky. As they I mean, were. Sure. Yeah, successful as they've been the past few years, this is the one trophy that they needed. So I'm sure they were nervous as hell. Um, especially with those chances. So I don't think it was in the bag on paper. I think you could was. say they got lucky. Yeah. I think they, you could yeah. say they got lucky. Yeah. Cause yeah. I think any professional striker puts those away. I, I really like, I mean, or doesn't get in the way. Like mm-hmm. uh, you could, you could say they're like, it wasn't like city went in there and dominated. They won one, nothing. Yeah, exactly. Like, so it was, it was very interesting. Um, it was, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a shame inter loss. I love to see, yeah, we, we wanted, City. yeah, we wanted Inter, <laughs> but unfortunately, the result played out kind of, you know, what we predicted. But, uh, I'm going to skip over some of these rumors yeah. because you know what? Some of these, they're they're still a lot of things are changing. You know, I've been kind of checking as we're going through, and I don't feel like it's worth, especially with all the shit we had to talk about today. I don't think it's worth talking about. All these right, we'll hold on to just it. yet, but I do think that it is a big story to talk about uh, what you have last. Um, and I and I think it's a broad topic. I want to ask, so we're going to be talking about Saudi Arabia and their accusations of sports washing. I mean, we already talked about Messi and how much money he was offered to go to Saudi Arabia. And now we have rumors that uh, Thomas Partey will be leaving to go to Saudi Arabia. You have all these other players like Benzema and Conte going to Saudi Arabia. Ruben Neves going to Saudi Arabia. Um, Bernardo Silva. Yeah, Bernardo Silva. They're so, wild. That so was probably it, so the is, is, is the hypocrisy, and I'm sure you guys have talked about uh, the, and maybe I'm wrong, I, I haven't kept up the past week but have you guys on the normal sports podcast talked about you know the live golf situation or anything like that no we have not gotten to it we've talked about it in the past um when the live thing first went down and the whole statement from P, uh, pga which i don't want to get too much off topic yeah you don't need to get too PGA, into it PGA, but, but, but it's it, bags fuck yeah, you, pga yeah. you talked yeah. all that shit but i do want to i do want to ask though <laughs> um because it is relevant and i and and i'll get it i'll connect it in a minute what was the general feeling about live on that podcast with you and your other guys was it what, Look, what did you I guys mean, call it at the none time? of us are fans of what they're doing in the middle east and they're okay. clearly using blood money to buy things and it's it, it no one likes it, but at, but we never really faulted the players because at the end of the day, dude, mm-hmm. like this is life changing money. I mean, look at, and it's you like, look at Messi. Not everyone's Messi. I mean, yes, they were offering him a not stupid everyone's amount Messi, of money. Man. They were they were offering him a stupid amount of money. But I'm looking at it, and it's like they're offering Thomas Partey from Arsenal a hundred million a year. A hundred million a year. You know what fucking money that is. 
That's crazy. They pick quarterbacks that in five-year deals sometimes. I mean, maybe not anymore, but shit. Yeah, that's like two years yeah, now. Two <laughs> years ago, maybe. Yeah, but still, you get the idea. Like, it's crazy. So so this is where I'm going to connect it. Um, you have – it's all across sports. It's not just a soccer issue. We're just seeing it now in soccer, and that's why we can talk about it. We saw now it in the World Cup. But we're seeing it – you saw it in the World Cup. Uh, you saw it in, you know, other sports like the UFC Golf, and WWE. UFC, F1. F1. They're all going. So so from fighting to, to soccer to any sport, they're all having events in Saudi Arabia. So or just it, the is, Middle it East is true general, that, yeah. you know, a lot of Premier League players are going. And yes, Premier League fans do have the tendency to whine at stuff that is they shouldn't be what they're just whining because they're they're privileged you know privileged as premier league fan. i say that as a premier league fan i'm a big premier league fan i could yeah. say this i mean sometimes the whining is like okay guys calm the fuck down we get it you're the premier league um this is not a case where if if people are complaining that it's that it's uh them whining this is justified i mean the amount of money that they're pumping into it and just saying oh no sports washing uh so, so let's get to the question. So I'm curious to see what your thought is now, because we might disagree on this one. So do you think that Premier League fans are being hypocritical about what they're saying about Saudi Arabia? No, because, you know, not every team. There's, there's what, what two teams do you have that are like conglomerate owned? You got City and you got um, Newcastle was specifically owned by saudi arabia um and they'll lie to themselves yes i'm sure there's plenty of hypocritical fans of those teams but any other team in the premier league we've never liked it ever so i don't think it's hypocritical um because if you go back before all this shit was happening you'll see people like me and other people complaining about city and complaining, you know, even Newcastle and what they're doing now and going, Oh Jesus fucking Christ. Another one. So like we were so complaining about thing. that before. So yes, you're going to have fans of Newcastle and fans of city who are, you know, if you were to ask them without the sports, Hey, are you against this and whatever? And they'd say yes. But then they see all the players coming into their teams and all the trophies they're winning. I don't think you're going to find a city fan complaining right now. You know what I mean? So I think they just came this. off such a great season with the Champions League, Premier League, um, FA Cup. They're going to be somewhat hip- hypocritical. Um, but Premier League fans as a whole have always not been happy about this. So I don't think it's unfair to complain about it happening in Saudi Arabia. See, this is where I disagree with you. It's not about, yeah, maybe they complained about City and Newcastle with the Saudi Arabia thing, but the Premier League has been benefiting and paying outrageous salaries compared to the rest of, outside of just Saudi Arabian owners. I mean, the American owners, even yeah, the, and so you're even right, the English owners. It's been, I like, mean, that. It's been like that for a while. It, it's been I mean, like that pre, since the 90s, pre all that, much. Pre yeah, all that the conglomerate stuff. So I can see your point, but I... So, here, yeah, so here's my thing, though. It's like, because when did the Premier League really start taking off was right... And I, I did research on this. was right after they signed the massive Sky Sports deal, or Sky Sports came into a thing in the 90s. Once that money started flowing in, 
the Premier League, that's when it forever changed for them. So where they were, I mean, shit, look at Chelsea. We were literally, people were literally just complaining about Chelsea spending almost $300 million in transfer fees. They had an owner who, yeah, you know but, what, let's, be, let's be honest, that there were complaints about him too because of the, you know, Russia and all that yeah, shit. But, but regardless, this is something that oligar- the been ol- doing. oligarchy, so you can argue that Russia yeah. kind of has a similar economic structure at the top as yeah. Saudi. So I, you know... But, I mean, but then again, I'm an Arsenal fan, it, it, so I've always hated him. So uh, I, I don't know. If here's I what I'm saying, though, is that you've been having these teams that, I mean, shit, even bottom table Premier League teams are paying way more than what any mid table, even high table of like the front outside of PSG, the P- 